Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and happy you're listening. Well, all right. Um, Look, the media uh, and the government, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. They're, They're working hand in glove. And, you know, the problem with this really is that it's an, uh, an intervention into yet another market by the government, and that's the market for news, the market for the truth. We've talked about on this program before how truth, the discovery of truth, is a process. Uh, and it's a process whereby people ask questions and other people answer questions, and then that leads to maybe some other people being implicated and then those people are asked questions and then they respond and, and you can start to kind of put, uh, the picture of whatever the truth is, or as close as we can get to it of, of something that happened. And much like we have interventions in the market by, uh, by creating laws by, you know, corporations lobbying Congress and creating laws to favor themselves in, uh, in the marketplace, we have a similar type of intervention going on uh, around free speech, the media, uh, leaks from the government, things like this. And this makes it very, very difficult to really understand what's going on in the government. And this is a real problem, uh, you know, in an open society with a quote-unquote self-government system like we have. You know, we, the people, me and you and everybody you know and a whole bunch of people you don't know, we, we're supposed to hold the government accountable, okay? That's our job as citizens. And it, it makes it very difficult to do this when the truth is so opaque um, and so difficult to decipher. This is why I was really excited about about uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter, even though he overpaid for it. And at the time, I don't think I said it on the show, but I was telling people I knew, I said, man, it'd be better to wait for like a big crash, you know, or something in the stock market and then to pick it up on the cheap. But um, I don't know, he overpaid and that's that. So, but this was a very important move, I think. And I think Elon Musk saw it as very important too, because Twitter is something that is a very distributed kind of information network. You know, we don't have to rely on Walter Cronkite, you know, to make sure, you know, you know, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you basically had people like Walter Cronkite um, on the news and, and they were, they had to be trusted. You had to trust them. And you really didn't know whether they were, um, worthy of that trust or not. I mean, they, they spent a lot of time, you know, trying to create, uh, an era, you know, an era of trust around these people. Um, but today with the, with the internet and, 
And the fact that you can get news anywhere. I mean, you're getting news right now while you're listening to me. I mean, we have a very distributed network of, uh, of information now. And so, um, in some ways, that makes it more difficult, right? Because you have to listen to more people. You have to have more conversations to try to understand what's going on. But at the same time, you don't have to worry about somebody blindly you know, lying to you, or at least you don't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem that you would, but, uh, we still have, uh, we still have networks, news networks run by very powerful people that are connected to government. And this often, um, this often colors their view about, uh, what they're reporting on, how they report on it, how hard they push, you know, you'll hear these terms like softballs. Oh, uh, she threw a bunch of softballs to that politician. You know, she didn't ask him any tough questions. That's what that means. And so there's a lot of this going on, right? So today what I want to do is I want to, I want to bring up some new information that's been uncovered. It's not, it's not like new to me. Like I've, I, 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 figured this was happening a long time ago, but it's now part of the official record. One of the good things, and I've said this before, about the Republicans getting control of Congress is they can have these investigations and bring people in, and their testimony then becomes part of the public record. And we're, I'm going I'm to demonstrate how important that is here in a minute. But w- what I want to do is I want to start off, I'm going to play a little bit from uh, Jimmy Dore's show. Jimmy Dore is a very popular podcaster. He's, he's kind of a, a traditional Democrat, um, but he, he does a really good job. Um, a bunch of people follow his show. I mean, you might want to go listen to his show. I don't know. But uh, um, there's a, they're, they're talking about the, ba- the Biden laptop. Uh, they're talking about Morell's testimony before Congress. They're going back to uh, the Fusion GPS and... Um, the steel dossier that Clinton uh, put out in the 2016 election. And they're basically, uh, the, 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 the overarching kind of message here is it, two administrations in a row, two elections in a row, Democrats, not Republicans, Democrats have interfered with elections by controlling the media, by controlling the narrative, and possibly by doing even more than that. So uh, I'm going to start with this uh, Jimmy Dore show and this uh, this guy, this reporter guy that works on the show, and let him kind of put together some of these sound bites from Morell's testimony before Congress. Here's a headline. Ex-CIA chief spills on how he got spies to write a false Hunter Biden laptop letter to help Biden. Joe Biden's presidential campaign prompted former acting CIA director Mike Morrell to help Biden by organizing 50 colleagues to sign a letter in October 2020, falsely claiming that damning emails from Hunter Biden's laptop published by The Post were Russian disinformation. Morrell, identified as a potential director of the CIA under Biden, said he organized the letter to, quote, help Vice President Biden because Ah. I wanted to help him win the election, unquote. So... So Mike Morrell was an ex-CIA chief, and he wanted to help Biden 
win the election and help, you know, and cause Trump to lose, right? So he got a bunch of other people to sign on to a statement uh, that basically the laptop, as reported by the New York Post, was a Russian disinformation plant and that it was not to be believed. Now, this this worked, okay? A lot of people, after the election, once this came out, a lot of people uh, did in fact say, as polls showed, that uh, a huge number of people would not have voted for Biden had they known this. And so it worked. But I, I think the shocking and interesting thing to point out here is that the CIA or the intelligence community tends to work for the, the Democratic Party, not not for the uh, Republican Party. And you'll see in a second, or at least at least it appears to be that way when, when Trump is involved. Like Trump is such a necessary evil that the CIA needs to get involved in manipulating information so that voters vote the correct way, according to them. And so this is, uh, this is not self-government. This is not, uh, you know, we are the government is, is a bunch of BS, you know, with this backdrop. I mean, you, you just, you know, our system really doesn't work well without, um, without being able to hold powerful people accountable. And to hold powerful people accountable, you've got to have a chance at getting at the truth. Now they're gonna they're gonna keep information from us. There's no doubt about that. But the the purpose of the free press is to attempt to get at this truth, so we can uh, compel people to act in a in a. I, I guess a statesmanlike manner, right? We don't. We're not going to have. We're not going to have politicians doing deals with other government officials, so that they can both get rich, and then we can be lied to about why we're actually going into uh, uh, fund a, a war between Ukraine and Russia. You know that that's the kind of thing that's going on here. So. Um, and don't don't kid yourself. These things are related. Okay, um, these things. They knew Trump wasn't going to play ball in Ukraine, and the CIA wanted Biden because Biden they knew would play ball. Probably because they have a whole bunch of crap on Biden, um, and some of that's coming out now as well uh, via the the Hunter Biden laptop. But now there's even direct ties. I want to say that uh, Joe Biden himself now. Uh, there, there's people showing that he's basically got $900 million directly to him. So that's not 10% for the big guy. That's the big guy getting paid directly. So that's a developing story that we should be able to talk about here soon. But, you, you know, you just, we've got this, we've, we've got such a corrupt system. Um, I don't, I don't believe it's redeemable. Uh, mainly because we just cannot get to the truth. We can't. We can't really see the government for what it is, and and they they purposely kind of put us into this this mindset of left versus right, Democrat versus Republican.
They were accusing Russia of putting out the laptop to help Trump when in reality they were falsely accusing Russia of being behind the laptop in order to help Biden. Who's he saying this to? The the reporter? Mike Morell, the former uh, deputy director of the CIA, is testifying before Congress. That's why the truth is coming out now is because he's testifying under oath where uh, if you don't tell the truth, you get, uh, you get okay. accused of perjury. So that's why we're getting this now. Until Blinken's call. Now, Blinken is now the secretary of state. And before he became that, here he was asking his intelligence friends to put out a lie in order to help Biden. Until Blinken's call, Morell said he had no intention of writing any statement exonerating Biden. But he agreed that the conversation with Blinken, quote, triggered that intent, unquote, in him. So now we've got now the, the, sec- the current secretary of state, Anthony Blinken, is now implicated in this scheme as well. He is the one that asked Mike Morrell to do this. And according to Mike Morrell, and we don't know if this is true, right? We'd have to hear from Anthony Blinken. Not likely that he's going to testify. But according to Mike Morrell, Anthony Blinken asked him to do this. Uh, That he wanted to get, you know, these 50 intelligence uh, professionals to sign off on this letter to help the campaign. Specifically, he was to help the campaign. And it was to hurt by, just by the nature of a campaign where there's two candidates, the, the intention was also to hurt the Trump campaign and, and implicate Russia in uh, the false narrative. So you've got, I mean, this is, these are very dangerous games people are playing. For what? For political power. I mean, this this really has to stop. I mean, there is no... Look, I don't particularly like Trump, but I don't believe Trump is so dangerous that it warrants uh, this type of behavior, this type of, uh, of clandestine behavior inside of our own government. I, I just think that's... I just don't think that's true. And more importantly, it sets uh, some precedent uh, for it to just continue and to be okay. Now, I want to remind you that the Democrats had the House for the first two years of Joe Biden's presidency. And they knew about this, but had no intention of investigating it. None. And, of course, the Democrats are running around complaining that Republicans are just doing They're not getting any business for the people you know, they're just running around investigating things. Well, yeah, because you've got you've got one party that is not not only has its thumb on the scale, I would say has its whole leg on the scale in elections. And at the same time, so they're they're interfering with these elections. Elections in the United States, okay? That's what we're talking about here. But at the same time, they're pointing at the finger at Republicans and saying, no, 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 you're the one that's interfering with the elections. You're the one that's trying to have a coup of the current government. Uh, you know, they had this big deal on January 6th and they tried to make, they tried to uh, basically hang the story around a, a bunch of uh, Americans that were protesting, you know, in an unarmed, okay, so so it was a coup, right? Well, there wasn't a single weapon you know, like a gun. Nobody had a gun. Nobody had any weapons. I mean, I think they found some knives. 
but on people. But there was no, I mean, who's going to overthrow the United States government with a pocket knife? You know, I mean, the whole idea that January 6th was some sort of coup or attempted coup, that's just ridiculous. So you got you got the Democratic Party basically calling the Republicans cheaters in elections, okay, and trying to overthrow, quote-unquote, duly elected officials, which, you know, I, I don't know. Was Joe Biden duly elected? I mean, can, I mean... There's not, we can't go back in time and, and change anything, but I think you could make a case that he wouldn't have probably been elected without this help. Okay, so, so who actually cheated? Who's actually trying to overthrow uh, the, the representative government in America? I, I don't think it's the Republicans, I don't think it's Donald Trump. Um, so, but at the core of this is, is the control over the media. Um, the the narrative and 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 just information in general, and so this is why I think Twitter is so important. This is why um, I, I think we need to basically ignore uh, the left when they talk about conspiracy theories and oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. Well, maybe maybe you should explore it a little bit better. You know, I mean, this is just a way for them to dismiss. The conversation and stop debate. Uh, but man, one of the things I like about these hearings is this is being read directly into the official record. Nobody can do anything about that. The media, the other politicians, not anybody. And so this guy, Mike Morrell, having to tell the truth, I, I guess he felt like he had to tell the truth because he might get prosecuted for lying, for lying to Congress. Although, you know, I don't see much evidence of that happening on the left either. Morrell testified he sent an email telling Nick Shapiro, formerly Deputy Chief, former, former Deputy Chief of Staff to former CIA Chief John Brennan, that the Biden campaign wanted the statement to go to a particular reporter at the Washington Post and that he should send the, stand, the statement to the campaign as well. So the Biden campaign asked their intelligence friends to put out this lie and they specifically handpick a Washington Post reporter who they can rely on as a stenographer to put this out. But in the end, Shapiro took the letter to Politico, where they found another stenographer, which he published uh, on October 19th under the headline, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinformation. Here's the headline again from Politico back in October 2020. So this part's a little bit confusing, but it, it sounds like what is happening here is Mike Morrell contacts this guy, Nick Shapiro, via email. And this, this Nick Shapiro, it's interesting because he was former chief of staff or deputy chief of staff to John Brennan. And John Brennan used to be the uh, director of national intelligence. And John Brennan has lied uh, to Congress as well and is not in jail. So it's interesting that, and oh, by the way, John Brennan is on CNN. He's a contributor to CNN. So you, you're starting to see now the connection to the media. And, um, and, and, and they had a, they had a, a particular Washington post, uh, reporter identified that they wanted to send this information to. So Nick Shapiro, uh, was going to send it to this Washington post reporter. And then it was going to be kind of let out or leaked, 
Okay, this is how they do leaks. Leak it through a friendly reporter at the Washington Post. Now, for whatever reason, that didn't happen, and they ended up leaking it through Politico. And Politico is the one that came out, basically, and said, uh, no, the New York Post story is is disinformation. It's 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 not based in fact. And um, what what really happened is this this laptop is some sort of Russian disinformation plant, and uh, there's no truth to it. It's not grounded in reality. Blah blah blah. So they effectively Politico in this particular story became a mouthpiece for the CIA. I mean, this guy Mike Morell was a was a an ex CIA chief uh, at the time. I mean, he's testifying that this is what they did. This is how they did it. And um, and this to me is just it's shocking. You know, it's like it's like how can you how can you not have some contempt for our government? Um, and how can you? I, look, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican, but I could see how you could be a Republican more than a Democrat. I can't see how you could be a Democrat at all with this kind of shit going on. I mean, you're basically endorsing corruption at the highest level of government so that particular politicians will be in power. I mean, that's that's essentially what's going on here. And to me, it's just... It's it's amazing that um, that so many Americans are falling for this, and I don't know. I, I, I to the extent they continue to follow for it, fall for it, uh, we're gonna have more crazy policies and uh, you know more crazy spending and and things like that because that's what this that's what these guys want to do. They want to they want to push the culture war. They want to spend a lot of money. Uh, they don't really care about accomplishing anything. They're just, they're just in there to spend money and to set up their little grift uh, with the money they're spending. That's it. They're there to make money. That's the only reason they want to be there. Mike Morrell testified that after the debate, he received a call from Steve Rachetti, chair of the Biden campaign, to thank him for writing the statement. He was the head of the Biden campaign at the time. Steve thanked me for putting the statement out. The thank you with Rachetti was organized by fellow Secretary Jeremy Bash, who I worked with at Beacon Global Strategies uh, and who is active politically, Mike Morrell testified. Bash, Penn's former uh, Bash, who is the former chief of staff to the former Pentagon secretary and CIA chief, Leon Panetta, uh, now he's a uh, MSNBC analyst, was later appointed by Biden to a prestigious role on his president's intelligence advisory board. So that's your reward for putting out a lie to help Biden get elected is you get appointed to the president's intelligence Ooh, advisory What do you think Mehdi Hassan's going to get for his <laughs> cooperation? <laughs> and Lee Fong points this out, uh, that the Biden campaign-backed Hunter Biden 2020 intelligence letter was crafted by the same Beacon Global Strategies intel officials, this is a firm in Washington, involved in the 2016 Hillary Clinton campaign effort declaring Bernie as a threat to national security. And this is an important tie because this means, as I pointed out, that in two consecutive presidential elections, the Democratic candidate generated fake claims about Russia, spread them through intelligence officials and media stenographers, and did so to deflect from factual disclosures about their corruption. So we saw that in 2016, where the DNC emails were released, 
and the Clinton campaign via its contractor CrowdStrike generated the unsupported claim that Russia was behind those emails and also via a different contractor, Fusion GPS, put out a conspiracy theory that Trump was a Russian conspirator. And now we have in 2020 the same Russiagate playbook. Now you have the Hunter Biden laptop showing corruption by Hunter Biden. And what does the Biden campaign do? Ask their intelligence community friends to put out a fake claim that Russia is behind all of this. So let me bring in... So Mike Morrell, who was ex-CIA chief, and Jeremy Bash, who was the former chief of staff to Leon Panetta, who at one time ran the CIA, these guys all know each other and work together at Beacon Global Strategies. And Beacon Global Strategies was also the source of some of this misinformation. Now, I don't know anything about Global Beacon Strategies. It's probably some sort of NGO or think tank or something funded by, you know, George Soros or some people like that, you know, evil people like that. But it just goes to show you that that this corruption is just pervasive in Washington DC. I mean, it's it's everywhere. You know, just made me made me think of something uh years ago a friend of mine we were talking and i thought he had a pretty good idea he said we ought to abolish washington and what he meant was you know we send these guys to the house and the senate to represent us and they're all there together right and just down the street on k street you have all the lobbyists and you have these ngos and in groups like beacon global strategies and you have all these law firms that are connected to all this stuff. You know, his idea was, look, just, you know, with technology the way it is today, just make these representatives stay in their districts and maybe only go to Washington, D.C. one month out of the year or something. And the idea behind this was, you know, that way I can go down to my local representative's office and if I need to put my hands around his neck, <laughs> you know, he's not... He, in the, at the very least, lobbyists would have to get on airplanes and fly around to all these guys. They wouldn't just be able to stroll up and down the hallways in in uh, you know in the various uh, office buildings there and and lobby these congressmen and women. So, you know, I thought that was a pretty interesting idea. And maybe maybe we need to do something like that. Maybe maybe Washington D.C. Uh, you know, they only go there for, you know, a month in the fall and a month in the summer or something like that. And that's it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but part of the solution is you got to starve the beast. You got to quit giving it money. And uh, there's just too much money. There's too many, there's the, the incentives for these guys to set up these grifts and, and, and get this power um, the incentives are just too great. I mean, these, you got to remember these people are, the, you know, in most organizations would be some sort of low level manager. I mean, they would never elevate to this level or they'd be some hack attorney, uh, you know, chasing ambulance cases or whatever. So, you know, this is, this is a way for them to be rich. I mean, they can work in government, set up these grifts and be rich and by any other measure, they would be unsuccessful in America, most likely. So, 
Um, all right, what I want to do now is I want to switch gears and I want to play just a little bit from, uh, this is some old audio footage from uh, House Intelligence Committee hearings from 1975, and then a little bit of um, uh, the president of CBS News, a guy named Sig Mickelson. He was the president of CBS News from 1954 to 1961. Uh, but both of these recordings were around 1975. And so I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, you know, even, even though there was a big hullabaloo back there in 1975 about the corruption of the CIA and how it was in, in, uh, in the media, uh, and they, they created all kinds of rules and, and laws to keep this from happening, but yet we've just demonstrated that it's still happening. So uh, it, it just goes to show you that laws don't work. I mean, these kinds of laws don't work anyway. Um, um, you know, we, we, we just have a, we have a broken system. I mean, it's just not a system that really works for uh, the most number of people. Uh, at CBS, uh, we uh, had been contacted by the CIA. As a matter of fact, by the time I became the head of the whole news and public affairs operation in 1954, the ships had been established, and I was told about them and asked if I'd carry on with them. This first clip is very short, and it's, uh, it's from Sig Mickelson, who was uh, uh, president of CBS News, from 1954 to 1961. And he's saying once he got in that role, he was basically told, hey, uh, you know, we kind of play ball with the CIA here at CBS, and uh, we just want to make sure you're on board to continue this program. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? You you probably you're probably like so excited that you, you know, you're you're gonna be the new president of CBS News, and then the board or you know, somebody higher up, a uh, couple board members, you know, pull you aside and say, hey, by the way, um, the CIA is going to be contacting you because we, we work with them. You know, they give us leaks. They leak information about the government that, that, uh, that we can use as opposite, uh, opposition research, uh, research against Republicans or political enemies or whoever. And uh, we just want to make sure you're, you know, you're on board with this, you know, before we make you president of CBS News. I mean, wow. I mean, that would be, that would be something, you know. I mean, especially a lot of these guys, you know, especially back then, you know, they think they're in this noble profession, right? And can you just imagine giving your whole life to something? And I'm assuming he was kind of innocent in all this. I don't, you know, obviously he became corrupted too, but assuming he was innocent in all this can, you know, these reporters and people from the news, they have the kind of these high ideals about their profession and, and some of them really believe them. And I'm sure this guy was probably the same way. And then can you imagine just all of a sudden in, in a conversation or two, you, you just, you, you recognize that you literally have given your life to something that's not even what you believe in. I mean, that would be, that would just be devastating to me. I, I, I don't know how I could do that probably, but I guess he managed to do it because he stayed on as president for, um, what is that, seven years. So, Do you have any people being paid by the CIA who are contributing to the 
National News Services, AP and UPI. Well, again, I think we're getting into the kind of detail, Mr. Chairman, that I'd prefer to handle in executive session. I think it was entirely in order for our correspondents at that time uh, to make use of uh, CIA agent ch uh, chiefs uh, of station and other members of the executive staff of CIA as sources of information which were useful in their assessments of world conditions. Would you say that continues today? Well, I, yeah, I would think probably for a reporter it would continue today, but because of all of the revelations of the period of the 1970s, uh, it seems to me that a reporter's got to be much more circumspect in doing it now, or he runs the risk of uh, at least being looked at with considerable disfavor by the public. I think you've got to be much more careful about it. So this interview with uh, Sig Mickelson continues, but what you're hearing there is some testimony from uh, the House uh, Committee investigation into this back in 1975, and, and the clip that you're hearing there from is the, the, the CIA director, William Colby. He's actually testifying before Congress um, about, about this coziness that exists between the CIA and um, the AP and UPI and, you know, these, these news outlets. And he's, of course, he's saying, hey, I don't, you know, I don't want to name any of these companies, so... Uh, we, we might have to go sit in a smoky room if you want to know a little bit more about that. But he, he's not denying it. You know, he's not saying, well, gosh, no, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't share information with the media. You know, he's not, he's not denying. He's saying, he's basically saying, hey, look, if, if you want to know more information about that, we're going to have to do that in a, in an executive meeting, you know, kind of thing. We can't do that here in open committee, which is, which is interesting. Um, it just shows you that not much has changed with Congress. I mean, you've got uh, the intelligence communities today kind of thumb their nose at Congress. They just tell them, no, they're not going to answer that question because it could reveal sources and methods. That's the, that's the line they, they hide behind today. Uh, but it's the same thing. They're just, they're just saying, no, we're not, this is not for public consumption, and we're not going to play ball there. The other thing interesting in this particular testimony is you got Sig Mickelson here kind of reflecting, well, you know, the guy asks, does this happen today or, you know, does this continue? And he says, well, you know, you have to be a lot more suspect about this because, you know, the CIA could lie to you. <laughs> you know, basically he's talking about, what he's talking about is there's there was all this uh, activity by the CIA where we overthrew governments in South America and Central America and all this had come to light. And it's all basically they get in there and they lie and they um, create narratives uh, and, and so they can alter the truth or the perceived truth and uh, change leaders of government and stuff. And so, yeah, you think you think you need to be a little bit suspect about what the CIA is telling you? Obviously. You have any people being paid by the CIA who are contributing to a major circulation American journal. We do have people who submit pieces to other to American journals. Do you have any people paid by the CIA who are working for 
television networks. This, I think, gets into the kind of uh, getting into the details, Mr. Chairman, that I'd like to get into in executive session. All right, this is William Colby again testifying in front of Congress. And he, I don't know why he makes the distinction. He admits to paying people uh, in print journals, but then says, hey, you know, he, he asked about the, the TV media and he says, hey, you know, the, we need to talk about this in executive section, in session. So I don't, I'm not sure why uh, he changed his story for media, you know, television media instead of print media. To me, they're equally bad, but um, it is what it is. Now, look, this guy, William Colby, uh, a famous quote that he had, that that they show in this in this video is the central intelligence agency owns everyone he uses the word everyone of any significance in the major media now that that is a that is a very damning statement and if you look at what happened to Tucker Carlson re- recently it's likely related to this i mean um, you know they use the uh, uh, they use the Dominion lawsuit probably as an excuse, but it's very possible that uh, powers within uh, the CIA and, and big government basically picked up the phone and called Rupert Murdoch and said, hey, unless you want us all up in your shit, you need to get rid of this guy. You know, this is a great opportunity to get rid of him. And I don't know if you know this or not, or if you, if you are kind of looking at the timing of all this, but you also had that um, uh, CBS report on 60 Minutes uh, about Ray Epps. And that was an interesting kind of report because why would they even talk about Ray Epps, right? I mean, it seems like that would you wouldn't want to draw attention to Ray Epps. Um, but what they did, if you go back and watch that show or watch it online, they they it was a, it was kind of a hit piece on Tucker Carlson. So I think... It, it looks to me like they used uh, this Dominion lawsuit and potentially this Ray Epps piece to kind of set the scene and give Rupert Murdoch an excuse to get rid of Tucker Carlson. But Tucker Carlson is going to land on his feet. In fact, uh, probably tomorrow I want to talk about uh, uh, an offer that Tucker Carlson got that came out over the air on Megyn Kelly's show. So we're going to play that. We're going, to, we're going to talk about that offer a little bit, and uh, I'm going to try to get a little bit better handle on what it means for Tucker. But it basically would mean running a media company uh, as well as doing the news and documentaries and all the things he wants to do. So that'll be interesting. So make sure you come back tomorrow and listen for that. I think that's going to be kind of revealing. All right, well, look, I'm going to wrap up the show. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate you listening to Who Gets to Decide. Share the show, write a review, do whatever you can to help me promote the show. I would really appreciate it. And like always, come back and listen tomorrow. And if you do, I'll be here tomorrow to do it all over again on Who Gets to Decide. <laughs>